0: Rain of Troy hotline. Alicia, Michael, what's going on? We know you have takes. We have takes. I'm actually surprised that your rant line, raid line, whatever isn't completely full. Why can't we just win a game? Can I blame Michael Castillo for this?
1: Can I blame Bob Connolly for this? Could I put on a zebra shirt and just go out there? Scratch.
0: Up against the wall. Can't
1: explain what I'm feeling right now, guys. Let's open up that
0: wave, Woohoo! Oh, I can't believe USC is going to do the same thing
1: again, year after year. Oh no! Hello, everybody. Welcome to the CarCast, coming to you from Rain of Troy Radio's studio in Los Angeles after USC has pulled off a 43-38 victory over UCLA. I'm your host, Elisa D'Artola, and I am not here with my co-host, Michael Castillo, who... In addition to the cough that uh, kept him out of the last episode, has now lost his voice completely. Uh, so he's not going to be podcasting with me tonight, and uh, it'll be interesting to see his status. Will be monitored as the week goes on, and we'll see if maybe we can get him healthy and ready to go for uh, for the the episodes that are coming up in the next week. But for now, Michael is uh, is not able to communicate. For basic things, let alone recording a podcast, it's been a game of miming uh, in the Reign of Troy studio over the last day. So that's where we're at here. Uh, Update on me, I don't feel all that well. Uh, In fact, today's game was a slog for me. Uh, I am currently, if you, if you hear me sipping at any point during this um, during this car cast, it'll be because I have just brewed myself a nice warm cup of chamomile tea uh, to reward myself for getting through a game that was absolutely ridiculous. Um, it's hard enough watching USC football when you're feeling well, let alone when um, you have cleared your COVID-19 quarantine and then turn up feeling as bad as you have all week, so I don't know what my body's doing, but I'm told that the fatigue lingers, and I'm guessing that that's what's going on with me. So it's just one of those weeks in the uh, in the rot household, and uh, fortunately, or I mean, I guess it depends on your perspective on this game. USC managed to to pull off a barn burner here. And get the forty three to thirty eight win over rival UCLA. And uh, yeah, in this in this car cast, I'm going to go through my thoughts on the game and just sort of try to make sense of it a little bit, at least in the immediate aftermath of 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 what was a game that uh, I think, uh, like I don't know that I, I think that speaks to everything good and bad about USC. And I think that's the most frustrating bit about uh, this team is that for every moment that they're bad they're also really good and for every moment that they're amazing they're also really bad and so every game is just a weighing of well how am i supposed to feel about that how how am i supposed to to take that Jake Olson on uh, on twitter on Friday night, as as we were all watching the Arizona-Arizona State game unfold, unfold, as the Sun Devils absolutely just took the Wildcats to town, um, Jake Olson was asking, like, am I supposed to feel good about this because USC held ASU to 28 points, or am I supposed to feel bad about this because USC couldn't put up... Uh, you could only put up so many points against this Arizona defense. And I feel like that's every single USC game as well. It's just like, is this supposed to make me feel good or is it supposed to make me feel bad? Are we supposed to feel good that Utah beat Colorado on Saturday morning and clinched the Pac-12 South for USC as a result? Are we supposed to feel good then about USC's 17-point win over Colorado? I mean, sorry, over Utah, even though we didn't get to see USC play Colorado. Um, If you were just going to take the first half of this game between USC and UCLA, you would say that USC is, you know, barely deserves to be in the Pac-12 title conversation, that USC has no business sort of vying for the conference crown. And then you turn around and see the second half, and all of a sudden, like, this is why USC is the only undefeated team in the Pac-12. This is why USC has done something that Oregon couldn't do and Washington couldn't do and Colorado couldn't do and certainly UCLA and and all the rest of them couldn't do. And that puts USC in rare company. and, And I think that it's still... USC is in a is in a a situation a very unsatisfying situation where USC is the best of the bunch uh, out west, while at the same time it's very clear USC is is below uh, the 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 national level teams that that USC aspires to. But credit to the Trojans, they. Are undefeated in the regular season. They pulled off the 5-0 regular season and they're on, on the way to the Pac-12 title game. They're going to be favored in that Pac-12 title game on Friday and before you know it, if USC wins that game on Friday, before you know it, USC is going to have a legitimate case for the Pac-12, for the for the college football playoff committee to say that they are an undefeated if they get there undefeated uh conference champion and uh the playoff scenarios are still very alive even though they felt very very dead at, at a certain point in the uh in the third quarter of this of this game between USC and UCLA so um it's just it, it's 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 just a weird one uh but it but it is it is what it is and i apologize for any noises in the background uh michael's computer keeps turning on and having a <laughs> notifications go off and I don't know how to turn them off so I'm just gonna keep rolling this is one of those nights this is one of those car casts this is what you get when the audios are is not the one running the show uh what is the 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 animals are running the zoo or whatever it's called that's that's me taking over so that's where we're at anyway let's get into this game between USC and UCLA, uh, that ended forty-three two thirty eight, thirty-eight, uh, and and frankly was one of the better rivalry games I think that we've seen for a long time between these two teams. You can make the argument that the the twenty eighteen team, the twenty eighteen game, was also a back and forth affair that was um, maybe it was entertaining for a neutral, but it felt like both of those teams were so bad. That uh, it, d- it didn't really count. And I think this game is between a uh, USC and UCLA team that, that were ready to go toe to toe and that um, they both certainly have their moments of weakness, but they also were able to come through and look very strong against each other as well. And, and, and I think that's why you end up with the game going the way that it does, because both sides were going to have a hard time uh, a hard time beating each other. And and that's pretty much why this game ended up being the barn burner that it was. So UCLA started out uh, definitely stronger than USC, sort of new from the get-go. As soon as Keaton Slo- Slovis threw that interception on the first drive, it just felt like one of those nights. I think USC was really lacking in energy for most of the first half. Um, and that, was, uh, that really set the tone for UCLA to jump out to a 14-0 lead. Uh, until Drake London sort of produced his own energy, and and you always can count on him to do that. And I mean, what a special talent Drake London is. I I, I cannot stress how how entertaining it is to watch him play football, even when he's not scoring a sixty five yard touchdown like the one that he scored in the second half. Uh, sorry, in the second quarter of this game, every little pass that he makes, he's also giving the same kind of effort and the same kind of uh beast mode attempts that that he does. Uh it's 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 never easy to get him down. He's not a player who's gonna go down easy. He's just gonna make you fight for it every inch and every yard. And you see that pay off big time on hit for him with the 65 yard touchdown. And really that's the kind of play that kept USC alive early in this game, uh, if not for Drake London scoring that uh, that that touchdown, if not for Tyler Vaughn's uh, dragging USC down the field on another drive in the, in the third quarter, USC isn't in this game. And I think that we can have conversations about how frustrating it is that the, the players can't sit back and rely on their system often enough that too often we're, we have to see USC's players pull out magic in individual moments. I think that's definitely a fatal flaw for this team. It's why USC gets into the situations it gets into. But boy, is it uh, very convenient to have those guys be there to produce those moments of magic when you need them with individual moments of brilliance and uh, and, and to keep your team from ever falling too far behind and that's pretty much what USC USC wrote in this game. Um, they they fall behind uh, twenty one to ten at the half, and that that was particularly dis- disappointing to come into the half like that because uh, it involved you know wasting some opportunities. And and that's the thing is that USC's defense. It's such a weird game for USC's defense because they were they were quite good on the drives that they were good on and quite bad in the drives that they were bad on. Uh, I'm not trying to cop out or anything like that for the defense, but it's like they were either going to give up everything and, and, and be cut through like butter, or they were very stout and they produced the big plays to, to keep USC in it um, early in the game before UCLA jumped out to 14-0. The only reason it was only 14-0 was because the defense had stopped UCLA a couple times. And... um you know, after that uh, Drake London touchdown, the tide should turn right there when Isaiah Pulamau gets the um, gets the interception, and USC doesn't really do anything with it. They get the the Parker Lewis field goal to go uh, 14 to 10, and then the defense obviously gives up that uh, that late touchdown, which was a, an absolutely well executed drive by UCLA's uh, offense in in that two minute drill, basically to go down and score before the half. And then, you know, when when UCLA comes out in the third quarter, and we know what USC's trend is, right? USC doesn't score in the third quarter. USC doesn't come out of halftime stronger than they came in. And so it felt very much like, well, this is it. It's over when UCLA went out and scored on that first drive of the third quarter. But, you know, again, like I was talking about, USC has these immense playmakers that come out and just... Individual effort their way uh, into great plays, and I think that's what you saw from from Tyler Vaughn's uh, on that uh, on the drive where he gets the 38 yard touchdown pass from Keaton Slovis. Good on Keaton for going deep for him, and uh, good on Vaughn's for stretching out. I mean, that's a hell of a catch to to reel that one in. I uh, wouldn't have been surprising at all if he wasn't able to make that catch, just given the, the level of difficulty. But he but he got it done, uh, and then and then all of a sudden USC's back in it. And an eighteen point deficit isn't isn't that much anymore. And then, you know, the defense has their moment where again it's a it's an interception, back breaking interception for, for USC with Amon Ross and Brown tipping the ball up and UCLA strikes right after that to the tight end uh, on a sixty nine yard touchdown pass, which is, you know, what you can do to a team um <clears throat> when you have an established run game when you can do uh play action or when you can catch a defense off guard coming off of a turnover they say the most dangerous moment for a defense is right after a turnover and that's what happened to USC there it just it just right over the top to a wide open uh, tight end, Greg Dulcich, Dulcic and uh, and and bam, it's it, you know it's doom and gloom again for USC. But again, USC's players never give up. They didn't. They didn't give up, and that's the again one of those other things that's so hard to gauge for USC is how do you judge a team that you don't? You know, we don't as fans. I think the majority of people don't believe in Clay Helton yet. Somehow, someway. The players never quit on him, ever. Like, when have they quit on him? It's, it's just incredible to me that, that they're in this position over and over and over again, and yet they still find a way to make these things happen. And and late in this game, really, USC started to rely more on Vivai Malapai. They took advantage of UCLA dropping back uh, in into soft coverage and and just you know pounding the rock and and for once you know when 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 USC isn't telegraphing their runs and when the offensive line is blocking well then they can run the ball. It's just that doesn't happen often enough or consistently enough. Uh, but when it happens, it's it's such a great thing to see Vimalapei go out there and just put his head down and run north south and there's a reason I, he's my guy. I love watching him run. He's not the fastest, the strongest or the most talented running back, but his attitude, his effort, uh he 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 runs with j- just that kind of swagger um that I I just uh, an, an effort that I absolutely love and it was great to see him get a reward um in this game, but you know his his touchdown where they um where they they come back and and suddenly the game is flipped on its head and then Drake London catches another touchdown with eight minutes to go, um, the this this sort of gets USC into a situation where the decision making by the coaches in the second half of this game I think it was really questionable and uh, it wasn't Vice touchdown it was it was the Amon Ross St Brown touchdown where uh, they go for two this is this is late in the third quarter there are four minutes left in the third quarter. USC scores um, to make it uh, do I have a score here um, yeah sorry i don't uh, i don't have the direct score okay yeah here we go um, it was 28 uh, 23 so USC is down by 5 if they kick the the extra point they go down by 4 but they go for go for two to try and um, get within a a field goal and I think it's just too early to be chasing those points you never know there's so much time left in that game you have to expect there's going to be more scores in that game and every point matters and every point counts and I think that USC is lucky to get away with one here where um, where they they chase the points they fail and then later chase the points again and fail again. And then they're in a situation where they're they're leading UCLA by one instead of three. They should have been leading UCLA by three uh, at the end of this game. But this is why you don't chase points, and this is why USC uh, needs to be careful. Because again, you know, and this is one of the things I, on Twitter I put on on Twitter that you know USC is going to lose this game because they they chase the points too early. And uh, I got called out for it after the game. And it's like, well, yeah, I mean, it was my bad for calling it at that point. That was dumb of me. But also, the sentiment stands. USC shouldn't have chased the points and put themselves in that situation. If if USC doesn't score that, the if, you, if, you, if the, the game doesn't play out in the last 50 seconds the way that it does, we're sitting here talking about how Clay, Clay Helms screwed the pooch by 1% going for the two point conversions and and putting the, his team losing taking points off the board and by two wasting timeouts early on in the half when they didn't then have timeouts late in the game to to utilize. So, I think those are game management things that regardless of the outcome of a game I think you can still be critical of and and I think that's also why USC fans have such a hard time processing these things because again USC wins a rivalry game in epic fashion and yet there are these things that you just sit going like man they're lucky to get out of it they're 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 lucky to not have these things pop up and be uh be punished uh, as it were in, in this game in like UCLA no offense to UCLA but like in many ways they gave this game away. I thought that UCLA was choking a little bit here at the end um, in, in terms of the, the, they had USC in third and 10 down at the, down in the red zone and it's two offsides plays and suddenly USC is first and goal in, in the uh, and they easy touchdown from there. Like those are unforced errors that UCLA is doing, that they are just, you know, shooting themselves in the foot. I mean, that last drive for USC, as amazing as it is for USC to, to I mean, the sequence of Gary Bryant returning the the kick past the, the half uh, the past uh, midfield. And then that first play to Tyler Vonzore makes a catch in double coverage, just an amazing, amazing catch. And then to get Amon Rossi and Brown on the fade, very reminiscent of, uh, of of the one of the touchdowns from last week. That that sequence of events is incredible. It's awesome to see. It's awesome to behold. But also, if you're a UCLA fan right now, you're sitting there going like, "Wow." what were we doing on that kick coverage? Like, what were we doing on the the way that we were defending those plays? Even before that, what was UCLA doing going for it on fourth down the way that they did? A couple of times in this game, I thought those were just bad decisions. What was UCLA doing... Going for the uh, the f- the fake punt or whatever it was that that sequence was, whether it was a fake punt or a muff or whatever, um, that was a disastrous play for UCLA. I thought that UCLA is going to look back at this game and really bemoan the the major major mistakes that they made. But that's what sets USC apart from UCLA this season. That's what sets USC apart from someone like Colorado where Colorado was in the same situation that USC was in. Colorado was down early to Utah. They were coming back. Utah and them were going back and forth and then Utah pulled away. Well, USC hasn't let that happen and USC has made their own killer mistakes but they haven't had the killer mistakes that absolutely Blanket them in a game and 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 cause them to lose. So those are things that you can hang your hat on if you're USC. And I think if you're a USC fan, you have to hang your hat on like this: these players are doing those things. I don't know that anyone is satisfied with the coaching. I'm certainly not. I I, I know that the people in my mentions aren't. I know that the people in our comment section aren't, and in Slack and all that kind of stuff. We we know where we're at as far as the coaching is concerned, but like the players. Have the mentality that you just cannot deny, and they get it done. And that is just really, really cool to see. Um, this is another game, you know, that uh, on on Twitter, Michael was running the the rot channel uh, and and he had somebody somebody was complaining in our mentions at the end of the game about, you know, celebrating mediocrity. And it was like again, it's another one of those conversations. and and again, I want to stress that I'm not saying that you have to be, have unbridled happiness about this thing. I'm not saying that you have to that you have to suddenly turn around and say like, oh no, everything's fine with Clay Hilton and this then this coach is and blah blah blah. Like no one's saying that. No one's saying you have to be satisfied. But like that kind of a win, you gotta be able to celebrate it. You gotta be able to sit back and have those moments where Tyler Von's makes that catch and you gotta be able to pump your fists and go like, yeah. And you gotta like jump out of your seat when Gary Bryan Jr takes off on that return and you gotta be able to just lose your mind when Drake London is scoring that 65 yard touchdown, like, or when Drake Jackson gets that, uh, the, that tackle for loss on, on fourth down or, you know, any one of the number, when Talanoa Hafanga, I swear to God, when Talanoa Hafanga, uh, gets the pick six that ultimately gets, gets called back, but he gets the pick six. I had visions of, of Nickel Roby against Stanford in my head. I had like, I had just this vivid moment of like, Oh my God, it's happening. And uh, it like, those are the moments you have to up. You just got to appreciate those. If you're not appreciating those, then take a deep breath Watch a highlight package again and just sort of remind yourself that these kids are out there making those plays and that those plays are fun, even if the whole game isn't fun. Would trust me, I was not having fun for most of this game. I was miserable, miserable for most of this game, uh, between not feeling well and uh, and and just the um, the, the general malaise of the first half. It was not fun at all. Like, I'm not saying that anyone is having not much fun. But those plays are fun and those plays are, are exciting. And, and those are things that uh, I think that that's are worth sort of remarking on and that are worth talking about and and, and at least appreciating Um I mean, some of the other stuff that that I think is is super fun is after the game, I get an alert that uh, Drake London has started a live video on Instagram and I'm like, oh, this is soon after the game. I should tune into this because this is probably in the locker room. Click it open and there he is in the locker room. Everyone's dancing and shouting, and he's having fun. And they they have the victory bell in there, and they're ringing it, and everybody's freaking out. And then all of a sudden, I start getting alerts that like Tyler Vaughn's is starting an Instagram of uh, Jalen McKenzie and blah, blah blah blah. Like all of them were in that moment wanting to share that locker room environment with people. And then you get guys coming out on on social media afterwards, and they're talking trash about UCLA. And it's like this is what rivalry is about. This is what f- this is what sports are about. And. Excuse me. Um, This is like those are the things that you got to live for. Right. Like uh, if you can't enjoy the the first half of a game, at least (laughs) at least enjoy those moments. Um, So at least, you know, USC is is pain often, but you got to hand it to them. They do give us these moments occasionally, uh, these moments of joy. That uh, you know, not everyone gets to not everyone gets to have this kind of fun. Not everyone gets to enjoy these kinds of moments. Um, there are some teams out there that would kill to be five and zero in a, dis- in a unsatisfact- unsatisfactory five and zero. Just ask UCLA at this point. So uh, I want to go through some of the the um, players who stood out and also the uh, the sort of where does USC go from here kind of stuff, but just uh, we'll stop for a quick break first and get back to it. All right, everybody. That was a nice little tea break for me. I hope you guys also enjoyed the moment off. Uh, let's get back to talking about uh, this game. Um So the standout players for me in in this one, I I think you got to start with Tyler Vons. He was outstanding. He finished with eight catches for 128 yards and a touchdown, but uh, I single him out. I mean, this was a a game where Keaton had so many good moments, and and Amon Ra had some great moments, and Drake London had some great moments, and Vi Pei had some great moments, Talano Hufanga. Is absolutely the second coming of Troy Polamalu at this point, uh, but but for me it was all Tyler Vaughn's. For me it was all uh, the the way that he came up with the big moments over and over and over and over again. And it was you know making third down catches, making them nice and easy, uh, turning up field and gaining extra yards where he could, uh, securing that outstretch ball for for the touchdown, um, making that catch that 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 just incredible. Catch in traffic, uh, at the end of the game to set up uh the game winning, the game winning touchdown. I thought that Tyler Vaughn's that might have been one of his most impressive games of his career, and he's had some impressive games, but just in terms of the big moments that he was there for. Really, really exceptional uh, day from him, Drake London. Obviously, that sixty-five yard catch will go down as the best catch of the decade, as far as I'm concerned. Um, I just, I love watching him barrel. Like, it, we've seen him barrel through defenders for like an extra ten yards on a play, but I could swear, um, when I do my rewatch, I'll double check this. He, the, the last twenty-five yards of that catch, or him just like making a man miss and then dragging another guy through like it's just absolutely incredible watching him play he is a joy he is a joy on the football field and uh, he ended up with five catches for 97 yards and two touchdowns uh, on the day so another big day for him and then Amon St. Brown had 10 catches for 73 yards and two touchdowns the critical a fade touchdown to to win the game which sure handed he he took it home uh the the little slant that he caught was a very just simple easy like to see that one uh the only you know downside of the game for Alvin rise that that tipped ball that ends up being an interception and you know you don't see that from him often the ball was a little wobbly i mean it was quote unquote windy i guess uh but uh, i thought that was on the receiver more than anything and uh fortunately he made up for it certainly by the end of the game um you all know I loved Vimalapei you all know it uh 19 carries 110 yards and a touchdown he averaged 5.8 yards per carry and I thought that he just ran the ball um like I like I said earlier like he just he ran the ball with swagger and um the 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 run plays that were going his way they weren't always successful but he always got as much out of them as possible uh it it just is so difficult watching this running attack because when they get going like you see with Vi it, it's 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 great it's great to see but too often guys are getting hit in the backfield and that was in the first half man every single play every single handoff to a to a, a guy in the backfield was getting hit um 3 yards 2 yards back for you know no gain or or a loss and that's just I felt bad for Stephen Carr because his first like three or four carries were all just blown up immediately. And then he comes in late and he has that uh, fumble. Well, it's not a fumble, but uh, still one of those moments where you scare or you get scared. So, uh, again, I think that USC's running backs aren't... It's not a problem with USC's running backs. They're not being put in a position to succeed. I will continue to say that. Um, and you see what can happen when they are given some room to run, and we see what Vi Malapai is able to do with that. thought it was interesting. I mean, for most of the game, I thought Marquis Step must be injured or something. He just, he wasn't out there at all. They put Keenan Kristen in before they put him in, and then they let him go out there for, like, a play, and uh, I don't know. I've, I, I, I have no answer. Vi was running it re- really well, so I, I'm not exactly complaining, but uh, I do think that Step. it was weird that he only got one carry. Uh, In this game, I think we all agree, though, just while I'm on this topic of the running backs or running the ball, can we all agree that they should take that pitch and throw it into a fire? Just never run that bullcrap again. When they had Gary Bryan Jr. in the backfield there near the goal line and they pitched it to him, it was just like, guys, you're not fooling anybody. It's the dumbest play in the playbook. And then when they went to it later and it got blown up, I believe it was with Car in there, you're not fooling anybody. Not at all. Like it's it's just awful. And that's the 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 thing about the the run game for USC, is like, I, f- I put this on Twitter. I feel like I'm Tony Romo half the time because I sit there and go, that's a run to the left. And what do you know? USC, run to the run to the left. that's um, going to be a run to the right. Yep, there it is. Run to the right. Like, I shouldn't be able to predict where the ball is going. I don't have that kind of football brain. I'm not Tony Romo. Like, uh, that's just... But whatever. USC ended up with 100 yards rushing in this game. Uh, so... There you go. That's uh that's good on USC. Um, I also do want to sort of highlight. I thought Dorian Thompson Robinson was so good in this game. He was thirty of thirty six, three sixty four yards, four touchdowns, two interceptions. Uh, the one interception that he threw to Isaiah Pulamau was real bad. Um, that that was just a terrible throw. Um, and then he got caught with Hofanga just baited him. baited him for the um. For the other interceptions, so rough on those two. But in general, UCLA was in this game because he was so patient, because he was so uh, willing to to just maneuver his way through the pocket, even when USC was getting a little bit of pressure. I mean, the plays that he navigated with Drake Jackson in his face, like three plays in a row, and he's still firing off the ball and completing passes, uh, that was... Arguably, I mean, I haven't I can't say I've watched every game that UCLA has played, but that was arguably the best game that I've seen from DTR in his career. And so, you know, it, I'm not sad or anything, but like it's a shame that he loses this game. But uh, big ups to him because I thought that he really, really made it tough on USC in this game by being composed and being on top of things and, um, <clears throat> you know, staying, staying on it. Um UCLA's rushing attack. Uh, So, uh, you know, in the grand scheme of things, I think they do quite a good job of of holding Dimitri Felton in this game. He had 21 carries for for only 90 yards. One of those, he had a 40-yard run. And uh, so they they kept him pretty bottled up. But uh, I think it was just too easy for UCLA to run when they made it easy to run. Uh, So that's uh, something to worry about. Although, you know, USC held UCLA at 185 yards rushing, which is... um, you know, one of the better performances for defense against this UCLA rushing attack this year. So, you got to take it for what it's worth. Um, but uh, yeah, what else? Let's see if there's anybody else worth talking about on the uh, on the stat sheet. Um, Hufanga, obviously I've already waxed poetic about Hafanga. He had seven, 17 tackles, 11 solo tackles, 17 tackles, uh, two tackles for loss, an interception, a forced fumble. He's just all over the place. He is the second coming of Troy Palomalu. And, uh, I am, I was struck with a bout of melancholy uh, at, a, at a certain point in this game when I realized like, we're not we're not going to get to appreciate him much longer like this is it and uh it sucks to not to know that like he's gonna go off to be in the NFL and be an Austin player there and we're not going to get to see him sort of reach the heights that that he could if he had a full season at USC like it just it's kind of a bummer Uh, not to be a downer but that's just kind of a bummer um, also, want to call attention, Drake Jackson probably had his best game of the season. 2.5 tackles for loss. He was in the backfield constantly, harrying uh, DTR constantly. Um, Tule Tupelo too looks so good. Uh, 1.5 tackles for loss, nine tackles total. Uh, the play that I thought really stood out for me with Tule Tupelo was um when uh, there was a third down and I think it was one of the running backs running to the outside and Thule gets outside and he, he is able to bring him down just short of the uh, first down marker. That was a critical, critical, critical tackle that a freshman... Defensive lineman is making out on the outside. Uh, really, really bright future for Tuli Tulipolo too, based on this early, uh, based on this early outing. Um, in my rewatch, I'm gonna be really interested to see what was going on. With Marlon Tulipolo though, because he only has one tackle in this game, and I don't recall seeing him all that much. Which I wonder if was he playing that much or was it just the role that he was in? Uh, so something to keep an eye on there. Another shout out to Hunter Eccles who makes the big tackle on the uh on the fourth down late in that game, where uh he sort of holds his ground and then gets a hold of the guy and just keeps he just there's a great replay where uh from the side where you just see he's got his jersey and he's just pulling him back and that's that's again, these are the plays that make that make all the difference in a game. so um yeah, usc's defense has had better nights, but again, I think that you're seeing. Playmakers uh, around the field for USC uh, in terms of the defense, and I think that uh, the best is yet to come for this group. Um, Hopefully, they can, you know, find a way to replace Dalano Hafanga. I don't think they will, but uh, but I do like a lot of the playmakers uh, in there on on the defense on the defensive side of the ball. Um, Okay, so that's enough about the game. It was just so back and forth. It was very strange. Where does USC go from here uh, is the the question. So USC clinched the Pac-12 South when Colorado lost to Utah. So really, it didn't matter what they did against UCLA, except it really does. Um, Either way, USC was going to play the Pac-12 title game on Friday against Washington. They announced that uh, during the game, actually. And so it'll be Washington if they can play. And if they still haven't cleared COVID, uh, the COVID situation, then it'll be Oregon. So that'll be played at the Coliseum. So that'll be an interesting game for Friday. Uh, But uh, but really, it mattered that USC beat UCLA here because USC is going to be in really good position to make an argument. And and I, I I hate this like I hate it because I don't want to make the argument for USC because I genuinely don't think USC has an argument based on like their play on the field. Uh But at the same time, USC is going to have an argument here uh for being a top 10 team for, for being up there. Miami lost. So that's one team ahead of USC that, uh, that is going to drop back and then I think USC is going to be able to have some arguments with some of those two loss, one loss teams that are in front of them with a 5-0 record and uh, I guess it just depends on <laughs> how the the committee perceives USC are, are they focused on the weakness in the first half or are they focused on the way that USC pulls out wins are they focused on the fact that USC needed an 18 point comeback against UCLA or they focused on the fact that UCLA has looked pretty decent this year and uh, and maybe they they were a tough beat so these are conversations that I think the committee is going to have to have this week and certainly if USC can pull off a win against Washington or Oregon then those conversations are going to be continued to have and uh you know I'm I'm out here seeing um I'm out here seeing college football playoff uh percentages to make the playoff according to ESPN's FPI and USC has a 49% chance like that's ridiculous that this is I think this is presuming that Notre Dame beats Clemson uh, which needs to happen but like it's pretty crazy the situation that USC finds them in the, the this knife edge that USC is sitting on where they're simultaneously like terrible while also legitimately vying for the colorful playoff it's 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 wild it's absolutely wild. but you know what it's it, this is what you get when you win games and uh, as unsatisfying as those games are, this is the position you put yourself in to to have these arguments uh, so that's uh that's what usC has been able to do uh. You know, will USC beat Washington? I think that's a bigger question that's worth having. I'm not certain. I'm not certain that USC beats Oregon. I'm not certain at all. Um, if, if USC has a, another, you know, um, lackluster half and, and makes the same kind of mistakes that USC made against UCLA, it's, it's going to bite them in the butt. But then at the same time, you know, anytime USC falls down... At this point, you got to believe they're going to be able to come back. I mean, there was some doom and gloom going on in the text chat between uh, the folks and the THT guys. And like, you know, they're all like, yeah, it's over. It's over. And Michael's like, nah, USC is going to come back and win this game. And it's like that confidence is crazy. But also it was right, right? Like, (laughs) USC did come back. And win the game. So that's that's the team that USC is. So it's going to be a wild short week, man. It really is um, not a lot of time to prepare for Washington, not a lot of time to, to know who your opponent's going to be. I mean, you got to prepare for Washington, but there's a very good chance they won't be ready to go. So you also have to simultaneously prepare for Oregon, and those are different offenses. Those are different attacks that you're having to deal with, different defenses, different uh, defenses you're going to have to deal with. So not not an easy task for USC this week, but... Um you know, Washington. At least if it is Washington, they won't have been able to practice for a while. If it is Oregon, then ugh, Oregon's coming off a of bye week. Essentially, they didn't play, but they've been able to to still practice and still be totally healthy as far as as far as we know. So, could get a little dicey for USC, but they do have the home court, home field advantage, and uh, we'll see how it goes. We'll see what USC is able to do, and you know this is ultimately the proving ground for USC. Um, we'll see what they do. We'll see what they do on on Friday. Uh, Anyway, that'll do it for me. Thanks, guys, for tuning in to another CarCast. Sorry Michael couldn't be here. Hopefully he's able to be on the next episode. Uh, If we uh, get enough tea and honey mixtures and stuff, uh, we'll see if his throat gets better uh, quickly. But, um, yeah, we'll be back later uh, with another episode looking at the fallout from this game. And uh, over on Patreon, I'll be back with a a rewatch. I know... (laughs) haven't really been able to do those recently but that will be happening this week uh short of a, an act of god which you never know but uh, hopefully not and uh and yeah we're still still kicking over at Troy to finish out this uh finish out this season in the weirdest of circumstances but still finish it out we will uh thanks as always for listening again and uh remember you can find us on all the social media platforms on apple podcasts on tune in on stitcher on omni studios uh leave us a review on apple podcast five stars if you like the show we'll read it out uh, on our next episode um, if you uh, want to get in the rant line montage for this week, be sure to call in 213 373 two one three three seven three one eight seven two to leave a message with your reaction to the the game. Uh, Michael will I'll force Michael to whip those up, even if he's not able to do the show this week uh, or on the 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 Fallout show. Hopefully, it will be, but we'll have to see on that. But be sure to call in, leave it, leave your uh, reactions or uh, questions for the mailbag. Uh, unfortunately, the email situation it has not changed. We are still having issues with the Rain of Troy at fansided.com email. Um, so the better uh, the better tactic would be to find us on Facebook. Facebook message us, uh, re- Facebook.com/reignoftroy, or find us on Twitter uh, at Rain of Troy. Um, or if you're a patron, or if you're on Slack, you can send us stuff that way. As well on Patreon, patreoncom Troy. Alrighty, that's gonna do it for me. My tea is uh, is working wonders, and now I'm going to go sleep. Actually, that's not true. I still have work to do, but eh, that's the life life of a USC reporter. So, take care, everybody. See ya.